HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we have stories about food in large quantities. From bulk buying groups and reasons for stocking up, to creative solutions for handling excess waste. We have someone picking up our corks from the wine bottles and they repurpose them to make buoys for boats and, and, and like shoes and all these different things. Yeah, because of the COVID, uh, everybody like uh, isolated at home. But uh, to see the people face to face is still exciting. So we kind of treat it like a chance to say hello to the people and to the friend. Listen to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're recording remotely, and it's Tuesday. October 13th, 2020. And uh, one of the coolest things that's happening or will happen in New York City is being cooked up at Domino Park area, the One South First development uh, in Williamsburg. And uh, two of my favorite Brooklyn beer brands that I feel like have grown up around me uh, are going to be featured there. So we've got uh, Other Half going in with Sam Richardson and uh, Roberta's Pizza with Brandon Hoy. So you guys, just just give me a quick intro, say hi, and uh, Tell me, tell me who you are. Ah, who's going first? Brandon, you're always first. I get, come on. <laughs> I get, I, no, come on. Uh, I'm Brandon Hoy, uh, owner of Roberta's Pizza. Um, yeah, exci- excited. Great. And Sam? Hey, I'm Sam Richardson. I am one of the co-founders and brewmaster for Other Half Brewing. So I, I pretty much just told the news, but it, it's exciting to me. Let's go back a little bit. I mean, Brandon, I met you uh, probably 2009 and uh, at Roberta's Pizza, and you're you both you and other half are two of my favorite, uh, you know, Brooklyn-born, you know, food and drink brands. Um, little backstory: making pizza. Uh, did you ever think you'd you'd be like the, this pizza god uh, from Brooklyn? Well, it's news to me. I just got the breaking news, Wolf Blitzer, that uh, (laughs) I'm a pizza god. So I don't know. I feel weird right now. Like I kind of got like a little weird tingles right now. But um, no, hey, you know, I think with a little like with success, sometimes it's it's uh, you don't really notice it until you're you're far past all this stuff. For us, I'm just like we're always so deep in it. And it's it's really hard to have any kind of perspective on like like what you mean to the to 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 your community, your your city, um, you know, or, or you know, to the rest of the world for that matter. I, I think for us, we just like keep on trucking and just trying to do the best we can, and and like for us, just putting out the the best product we can. And you know, we're so passionate about food. But we're also so passionate about all the other things that go with like having a restaurant, the, the, the beverage portion of it, and also just, you know, the, the ambiance. And I think one of the secrets for us is like it always has to be fun. 
And, um, and I think like, it's cool kind of being neighbors with other half cause it's like such a, and odd fellows for, for that uh, matter too. Cause they're just fun brands, fun people. And I, and I think that like the chemistry there is going to be, uh, it's going to be real cool. I'm excited. That's great. And another thing I'll, I want to ask you about your team, because one thing you've kept consistent is that there's some of the same staff and, and faces working at Roberta's and, and Bushwick uh, from many years back. Is, is there a formula for that or, or you, you just have good people? Um, I, I don't if there is a formula, I don't know what it is. Um, or, or, or I definitely didn't write down the recipe. Um, I think, I think for us, we've been, part of it is just being blessed and like having such great people, you know? And I think the second part is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, which is like outside of trying to have really good product and do, do cool things. We also, I think having fun is such a, is such a like, um, huge part of the recipe for us that it attracts um, you know, employees that want to like stay with you for a long time because it, it's a fun place. And I think, I think we really like take that into consideration, like how much fun is it uh, for the customer and, and how does that translate to the, to the, to the people that work there as well, you know, and they're like kind of chaperones of, of like this, the, of that like culture, right. Of that, of like having fun. They're like trying to lead you through this experience where, where, you know, we believe the food is top notch and the, the beverage programs top notch, but also like your experience is going to be like unique and, and fun. Yeah, man. We're going to talk a lot about what, 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 what you've been going through and, and some of the future plans. And Sam, so and and for you, man. I mean, I met you years ago. You, you've really paid your dues as as a brewer uh, in in New York City. Um, I remember when you started. You had the Manhattan launch for other half at my old pub, Jimmy's Number Forty Three. And I remember for uh, for the, the next three years, I got at least one or two kegs a week from other half. Um, so there's a definitely a taste profile in my in in my brain <laughs> with other half, and I love you guys. Um, what are some of the things that stood out for you? You know, you, you know, your early days working in New York, um, did you ever think you'd, you'd be owning and you're co-owning your own brewery? Uh, in New York? No way. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that would have been something I would think would happen, but, um, you know, it's such a, it's such a crazy place to manufacture in. Um, but perseverance, man, you just got to like push through. And I, we just, I hit a point where I really wanted to do, do my own beers and, you know, we figured out how to make it happen. But, you know, this is when I first, when I first moved here 13 years ago, there was four breweries in the city, which is a little bit depressing for the size of the city. But, you know, New York is, we've made up a lot of ground in the last seven years. Um, I definitely think that New York city has become one of the more influential brewing centers in the country at this point. So, you know, shows, shows how far we've come and just, you know, I think we've changed people's interest in beer. I don't think people were quite as interested in craft beer in New York city five to 10 years ago. You know, what were the, the first beers that, that put you guys on the map? I mean, I remember having your, your standard other half IPA and some of your special releases, uh, regularly. Um, when did you start making double dry hop beers? I mean, I cannot, I don't know. <laughs> Everything's a blur. <laughs> I, I would say probably, probably in our second year, we just started to, you know, when we opened our whole goal was to make IPA because at that point it was something that didn't really exist in New York city. There was not a lot of IPA being made. There's definitely some, but, um, so we, we just really wanted to come in and make as much IPA as possible and we just kept evolving what we were doing and we could just get the sense from customers. They wanted us to go bigger and bolder. So we just kept doing more and more, uh, hot doses, you know, and finally we just got to this point where we were, where we were, you know, dry hopping the beers twice and just trying to get as much character. And we also do triple dry hopping too. So it just keeps going. Yeah. And, and, and what are some of the, the brewers that you, um, you want to give shout outs to, cause you really have a great team. And, uh, one thing about both of you guys is I, I can't believe 
the way you've kept your brand going, but you you also have you know operations in a couple different locations. Yeah, I mean, as far as our our, our entire team is incredible. Our brew staff is they, they work really hard. Um, you know, we uh, we work hard and we play hard. And I I know it's kind of cliche, but we put a lot of pressure on on our team because we're trying to do so many new and creative beers all the time that 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 kind of that kind of constant effort of trying to um you know make the best beer you can with a recipe you've never worked with before every, like three four five times a week it's just a it's a lot of pressure and they do an incredible job because i i feel like we rarely put out a beer that i'm unhappy with i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty amazing um job by them to make that happen that's a success in any business you know like that's pretty amazing for anything doing anything of this sort to be able to like be happy with you know even 90 percent of, of the things you do you know so that's pretty awesome so tell us about working together so brandon you know people may not know it but you're a, a huge craft beer fan and you i know you can talk craft beer all night um what what are things you, you want to know about other half as a, as a brewery? Oh, that's funny because I was thinking at what point can I start asking the questions? Literally <laughs> in my head, I'm like, watch out, Jimmy! I'm coming! I'm coming for your! I'm coming for your seat! Yeah, um, I mean, I think, and I and and before you even asked me that, I had probably had a thousand more questions, but um, you know, I feel like. What are the what are the um, series of well? First, let me ask you this: What's your favorite brewery um, that's not other half? Oh wow, um, that's a wow, that's a tough one because there's so many there's so many great breweries. Uh, Here, I can narrow it down for you, make this easier because there's also like the classics, right? Like mm-hmm. of the classics, what's your favorite? And then of the new world, what's your favorite? Uh, classics, I'm going to probably go with, uh, it's probably, probably cliche, but Sierra Nevada. I mean, they, oh, they're so they good. really pay. I'm so glad I you mean, said that. To be, to be, you know, where they're at at this point. The beers are still awesome. There's been, you know, they haven't fallen off. In fact, they they always figure out ways to keep adding to their portfolio with new interesting beers. It's not it's not the most, um, you know, not the most creative anymore. But everything's so solid and so good, and they all and they paved the way for all of us. So, I I think also they're one of the most underrated beer companies. Like people like because they fall into that kind of category where people think that they're kind of sold out or whatever, but they're still such a quality beer making company. I say this all the time and people are just like, like, I think when something's around for a really long time, you just immediately have a different perspective of it. But it's such a good beer company. Oh, yeah. And what about the 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 new, new school? Yeah. Or, or maybe like some of the ones you've been making collaborations with recently, because that's kind of the same yeah, thing. I'd say if you just kind of look at our portfolio of who we make beers with all the time, I think that's a good indication of who who we feel really strongly about. It's, re- I mean, it's so hard to narrow down because there's so many breweries doing amazing beers um, across you know all different styles and. You know, if you just look at if you just look and at it, who, and if you say who, the wrong thing, somebody might be like, "Hey, man, I thought I was your favorite <laughs> Yeah, I, sorry, I, I, mean, I know, I know. See, I'm good uh, at the asking question parts. Dude. I'm really good with the, like no softballs <laughs> here. Yeah, well, I mean, we are. Uh, that's the thing. We are a lot of these people that we do collaborations with. We are we are good friends with. So it's not like a, it's not just like a marketing ploy. We actually spend a lot of time yeah. together and. And so, you know, I'm not actually worried about offending them, but they all do. They all do amazing work. I think I think also and Jimmy, you could probably attest to this. I think that's what's so cool about the the beer making right now is like there's there's so much collaborative effort to just make cool things. And there's so many beer companies that like get together with other beer companies and share information. It's like open IPA and like people 
I just made that up too. Open IPA. Um, like, like it, it's so cool. Cause it just really, it makes the evolution of beer like happen faster. And there's just so much cool stuff that's like coming out because of it. That's for sure. Sam. So on, on that note, a couple of things that were kind of collaborations like pre COVID your green city festival. What, who were some of the people or other breweries that, that you guys first talked to that, that made that happen? You know, when, when you were sitting down, just tell us how green, cause green city festival, when you guys did that, it kind of just suddenly it was like, wow, there's a really cool beer festival in New York. Well, that, going that was really, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was just a culmination of all the, all the time we spent traveling, um, meeting other brewers and, you know, all these collabs kind of, coalesce into this festival. And I think it's an opportunity. Most of the, most of the breweries that we work with don't send beer to New York and it's an opportunity for us to bring them to New York to share kind of the the wider craft community um, with New Yorkers. And I think that because we're bringing in brands that are mostly not distributed in New York, I think it, it really, people just get really excited about it. And, and it's also a really good community. Like Again, like I said, a lot of these, most of these breweries that we collaborate with are, are friends of ours and uh, just the, the atmosphere around it's always really great. I think people, people really enjoy coming in, meeting the brewers because almost all the brewers come as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like a, it's like a celebration of beer. That's great, man. You're right in the middle of it too. And then during, during COVID, uh, your big project, the All Together Beer Project, I mean, Tell me how that came together, because we we did a whole show about it uh, with with your GM. But I'd like to hear it from you. We just yeah, we just wanted to do something, and it seemed appropriate that we try to do something for uh, people that work in the service industry, because we, you know, as brewers, we do rely on them to sell our beer, and. You know all the, all these all these bartenders and servers and restaurants all over the city and all over the country. It's, just, it's the same thing. They're all they're all the last person that somebody sees before they get that beer. Um, so they're just they're part of they're they're distantly part of our team, and we have to recognize that and try to take care of people. So and we've been fortunate that people still are buying beer during these moments. So we can we have I feel like we had to do something to help out. Maybe more beer than ever. I mean, we were already kind of maxed out. It's just now that the beer goes, the beer goes into cans because nobody can, you know, people can't sell kegs at this point. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been a, you know, a big adjustment for everybody and we're very, very fortunate. Well, let's talk about that. I I didn't want to jump right to that, but um, you know, Brandon, for you guys, I mean, Christ, restaurants in particular are closing, you know, indoor spaces. Tell us how you set up your outdoor space. Cause that I had, I had my birthday party there in August and I want to say how great it was. It wasn't really a party, but there were five of us, but it, it, it captured the Roberta spirit and um, I had a great time. Well, I, I mean, I think we had one benefit, which is that we've kind of always done this, you know, and we've always been very uh, agile and, and, able to kind of like maneuver and do, you know, weird, particularly like whimsical kind of things. And we, and we've used the yard for so long. So like the transition, the idea of the transition wasn't hard. Some of the execution was very hard just to get people like used to working like that. But, um, but one, we were, we were blessed by having a lot of outdoor space already, right? Which a lot of people don't have. And two, we have such a good like facilities team that's like able to build like pretty much on demand that we were like really quick to be able to like build new things to um, to kind of accommodate for, for what we did. Um, and, and we've set up the backyard in that way in the past um, before. So it wasn't something that was like particularly new to us. We kind of, we had some like idea of how to do it and how to set it up. And I think we had so much space that it felt comfortable because, you know, we didn't have to use the dividers. We really like the tables are really, really spread out. Right. Like, I mean, you were there, it's, you're very far away from, from the next 
the next group of people. Um, so, you know, one, one of the considerations was just like making sure that felt comfortable for the guests, but also just like making sure that the employees felt comfortable with it and that it was serviceable and, and that it functioned, right. That like we could get food to people, you know, wherever they were. And it's funny because we're using like Blanca, like has been completely closed and we, and that's like one of the kitchens we use to like get food out to people. So we're, we're really utilizing the full compound kitchen to like kind of like get food to everyone we use all of the kitchens that exist right now um so there's been some you know logistical nightmares like how to get tickets to specific kitchens and how to get those tickets to kind of like match up like how to get a pizza and a something to the same table that that have kind of not been fun to deal with but um you know, again, we have such a like great team and I think I think everybody was really focused and knew that it was going to be hard and kind of just jumped into it, like ready to, to make it awesome. And, I, and again, I hate to like keep coming back to this, but I think like when when we put a lot so much importance on having fun that like like we tried to just make that like backyard a very like fun place. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think that set the tone. For, for the way the service and the way that everything worked out. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like totally like regular Roberta's, you know, just outside. So you guys did a great job. Sam? I would also, I would, I would also say like that you guys always have this kind of like, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of scrappiness to the whole thing too. It's like, we're going to make this work kind of feel with like that whole space. I mean, I remember the first... The first time I met you was actually, I must have been 10 plus years ago, right before you guys opened. You came in, I was work, I was a head brewer yeah. at Greenpoint Beer Works, <laughs> and you came in and you were describing the project. And I was like, that sounds like the craziest mess I've ever heard of. <laughs> and, <laughs> I remember, and, I remember there too, yeah, in the, at the brewery. But you were pumped, and I was like, "This is probably gonna, this is probably gonna be really awesome." And then, of course, it is. So there's, there's that. But I, but it had this like, oh, even when you came in and were describing it, I was like, "That is, that sounds like scrappy. That sounds, that's gonna be like, uh, you know, doing it for the love." Yeah. What was what was the brewery? You were you were making. Um, uh, oh man, help me out here. What was the what was the other stuff you guys were making there? Kelso. Well, we did Kelso. Kelso that's Heartland, what it was. Kelso. Point. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah I remember because it was the Heartland. It was the Heartland Brewery. But you, but that was why I went there, right? Because we were talking about something uh, with the Kelso. Man, this was. That was elite. That, you think 10 years ago? That might have been more. I feel like. I feel like that was in the early days of Roberta's. And we've we've been going. We're, we're going to be 13. So. I think it's 13 been, years. I think I think it's thirteen yeah. years then, because I, I that was in the you're... very beginning of Roberta. That might have been the first year we were open when we went there. Yeah, wild. Yeah, so cool. Friends, <laughs> did, did you ever consider putting in like a, a little brew pub component as well in the early days? Uh, you know, probably not in the early days. I mean, one like I know how hard brewing is, so I, I it's not like I love beer. My dad, my dad brewed beer, and like. I don't think there was ever a time where I thought I want to do this. I know how hard it is, man. And it's like, it takes a lot of time and effort. And it's like, it's hard to do both of these things to like have a restaurant and do all of this stuff and do that. I think, I think in the end for me, one of the things would have like, you know, suffered because they just take so much dedication, you know? Yeah. Way and back in the nineties, you guys, you guys remember that, the well-known chef Wolfgang Puck. Of course. That was the only concept he ever had that failed, like in the 80s or 90s, was an early brew pub. Right. Well, you because do both, yeah. You can't do both, man. It's 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 really hard. I mean, hey, how many brew pubs for reals like have great both? You know? It's like some yeah. of them have good food, some of them have good beer, but how many of them for reals have both? You know, there's, it's hard. There's man. a few. There's a few, but yeah, you're right. Most of the time, it's just the Cisco truck backing up, and uh, yeah, and, and vice versa it. too, right? Like yeah. the ones that actually have good food, like you're like, ah, this beer is like, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I don't know. Also, I'd be like, okay. I, I would just like, I would just put other half on tap. Why would I want to make my own beer? <laughs> I'm know? with you though. That's, that's how, I, I mean, I, I love beer. So for me, like, I don't want to try to make it. Like, I think there's so many good people. Like, sometimes you got to do it. You, you can't DIY everything. Sometimes you got to do it with the help of many specialists. Well, that's, that's Sam. Let's jump in with Sam. So, Sam, on that note, I mean, you've been in New York working you know, 13 years ago. How many years did it take you? I know you're from the Pacific Northwest. How many years did it take you to feel like you really knew how to make beer? And you know how to run a brewery, and 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 are you? I'm sure you're still learning, but oh, for sure. I mean, so I'm at about 18 years right now, and I think that all the time I'm still figuring it out. And I and I know that sounds crazy. Like we obviously know how to make beer, but there's so many there's so many things you learn about um, just your own palate, people's palates, and trying to make your product better. I mean, we're 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 really hard on ourselves. We're not, we, we rarely celebrate success. We're always kind of like, eh, we can do it better. And that's kind of, that's kind of hard. That's kind of a hard position to put yourself in all the time. But I also think that we just, we just want to make things people really love. And that's going to be, I think though that that's that what makes you guys, that's what makes you guys so good though, too. Because I think like you are a brand that's constantly getting better. I think like, there's constant evolution and and uh, you guys are, are getting better all the time. And I think like once you get complacent and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm killing it. And that's when things start to fall off for you. You, you I think I think any good business, you really just have to like have good discipline and looking at yourself and knowing that you could be better every day and that you could make this. And, and the second you stop thinking you can make it better, you're going to lose. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I also think it has to do with people having good people and letting, letting your, letting your people, uh, give their input as well so that you're not just, um, you're, you know, just stuck with your own ideas. You know, on that note about learning new things, Sam, um, you know, last year I was with uh, Bobby at KCBC and he told me about using the carb stone and how important that was. Is there something in the last couple of years, a, a new technology or a new equipment that you guys have, have, have adapted or taken on that you feel like has been a revelation? Yes. Um, probably, probably the biggest thing for us has been uh, Centrifuge, which we've actually had for uh, at least four years now, four and a half, um, which it's counterintuitive for people that make New England style IPA. But since we got that, almost every other New England style IPA producer that I know that makes quantity of it, uh, have all bought them. And really what it is, you know, a, a centrifuge is for separating solids out of a, out of a liquid. In this case, you'd think that wouldn't make sense to make a hazy IPA. You don't want to like clarify it, but that's not what happens. And I think it just makes our beers better, more palatable, um, smoother. But that was like a plunge we took without any idea if it would be like the right move when we did it, um, because it doesn't make sense in your head. Um, but it, that was, it kind that of was does though, a little thing. bit. Does it, it? I mean, it seems like it would incorporate all of that stuff in like it almost like an emulsifier where it's just like incorporating it all evenly through the liquid. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's I don't. That's I don't know if that's actually true. I will say one thing it does is it 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 definitely that's definitely a possible thing that it does, but it also separates out the the bigger solids like yeast particles. Ah, so yeah, the the like one thing we're very proud of is if you buy our IPAs, you will not you will not have sediment in the bottom of the can. Right, it still looks hazy. There's no sediment, um, but as far as when during the spin, it could it could definitely kind of like you know kind of stabilize maybe some of those oils and other compounds floating in the beer that give it that haze. Right. Wow. Hey man, we're off to a great start. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of heritage radio network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 
and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org, become a member. Hey, we're, we've got a great show here. We're talking about our two of our favorite Brooklyn-based food and drink bands, uh, Other Half and Roberta's Pizza. So we, we had a little intro talk. We've been chatting with Sam Richardson and Brandon Hoy. Um, but let's talk about this new project. So, uh, Jimmy, one second. Let's talk about you. That read was <laughs> that read was amazing. Like you're just you're, you're like destined for real like radio. Like somebody's going to pick you up eventually. You do read so smooth. All right, well, let's go back to the roots then. Way back in, in 2009, this little uh, hole-in-the-wall pizza joint in Bush in Bushwick, Brooklyn. First of all, where was Bushwick? That was always the question. And I knew some cool people that were working there. And they're like, wow, there's actually a, a radio station in the in the backyard of this, this uh, you know, restaurant, which was unheard of then. So, Brandon... You cheers to you, but because of you, back then I thought I will do a radio show in this little, uh, you know, shipping container in Brooklyn, and one day maybe I'll get to be on Martha Stewart Radio. Well, 11, 12 years later, guess what? Heritage Radio Network is still cooking, and big thanks to you, Brandon. So, and, pr- and pretty soon Mar- Martha Stewart's going to be on your radio show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're the Martha Stewart now, Brandon. You know. Oh, but, wow, that's actually that is really such a big compliment. I only well, you talk, wish I could you be part about, of Martha you know, Stewart. You talk about working it hard enough, and you guys are both, uh, you know, you guys are up there in my mind. But let's talk about this new project because, I mean, from this little place in, in Bushwick, no one even knew where Bushwick was. But now Domino Park, you know, everyone knows where Williamsburg is, and Domino Park is really cool. I mean, I was there for a couple of years when it was when they were building. They had the farm on Kent. The North Brooklyn farm was was set up and, and they moved it every year around the construction, a little farm that you could do events at and that was a community garden. So I feel like the, those guys at this now it's the new one south. Uh, they've really done a great job of, of changing what had been the Domino Sugar Factory which was laid dormant and there were giant, you know, this was not a place where people went into, into it, it's one of the coolest uh, waterfront spots in the city. So I want to hear about, but you guys putting in Roberta's there, what, what it's going to be. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it is really our first um, dine in Roberta's, you know, in New York since the original, um, we opened, we opened a similar concept in LA and Culver city. And, um, so for us, we've opened a lot of things and we've done, we've done a lot of stuff, but most of it revolves around just pizza, a lot of small pizza places, takeout and delivery, a lot of that kind of stuff. So for us, it's really exciting because it's like the first, Roberta's full service Roberta's that we've opened, um, you know, outside of outside of Bushwick. So it's really fun. The the location is like really amazing. I I don't I don't know 
it's like so unique for New York. Um, you know, the windows face the the river, the park is like very beautiful. We're blessed with like great neighbors. Um, the building's beautiful. It's just, there's so many like cool things happening with it. And uh, outside of the fact that we're like, like dead smack in the middle of the worst pandemic and in, in our, in our lifetime and that the world seems to be crumbling into shit. Um, we're very excited to open a restaurant. And we will get through this, man. And you guys have, have helped inspire me. So what's the menu going to be like? Is, is, how how is um, you know what you did in L.A. is that just tell us about the L.A. project because that's probably is that similar right. to what you're going to be doing here? Yeah, it's very similar. So so it's gonna have it's gonna have like all the things that Roberta's has. Um, Roberta's will will always be the center of our universe, right? Like that's for the most part like a lot of innovation happening there, and like probably broader strokes of. Um, you know, of our evolution, like you get to see more things kind of come out. Um, but, you know, L.A. is like really, truly amazing. Like the, the menu that we have there is based on what we get in L.A. So so we have a lot of different offerings in that restaurant than we do in Bushwick because, you know, we get great seafood there and 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 the, the produce is like really, truly amazing. So we try to like take the things that that are given to us um, and, and 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 work those in to like make the best restaurant now. When you're talking about Domino, we pretty much get the same things that we get at Bushwick. We're we're miles apart, right? So for us, I think I think it's a little bit. Um, hey, the reality is it's a little bit shinier restaurant, right? Like like Bushwick is so whimsical, and you know, there's just a lot of character from all of the years of scrap being scrappy, right. And just scrapping it by and, and, and putting it all together. And there's like nothing, um, you, you can't replicate that, that place. It's just, it has magic from, from just like years of elbow grease and just doing crazy weird shit. Um, Domino, it's such a beautiful building and everything around it is so beautiful that like, obviously it took a different like mindset to design what the restaurant was going to be. And it's, and it's a little bit nicer. Like the reality is like, you know, the chair, you might want to sit in this chair longer than an hour. Cause you know, <laughs> it's it, like, I mean, you know, like, like the whole idea of Bushwick is like, like always for us, we were like cram people together, just like smash and and like and like this is hard now with covid because it's really been like our model for so long which is just like smash people together because what was always interesting to us about Roberta's was that <clears throat> you know you could have a guy in like a suit who just got done banking or whatever the fuck you do in a suit and like he he could be like sitting there with you know like an 80 dollar bottle of wine and like a steak for two and and like you know, bawling out and like he could literally be sitting elbow distance from like, you know, a crusty kid who's like just got one pizza and like a Budweiser and they're like literally sharing the same experience. Yet, yet it's so different for each one of them, you know, and they're crammed into this room together. And I, and I think that it, it's one of the magical parts of that place um, in Bushwick Um I, I can't say that like you you can't replicate that as very difficult to do you know but I think I think in Domino we're just gonna kind of get like a slightly like cleaner version of this it's just like everything's gonna be a little bit more comfortable like all the chairs are probably gonna be have backs on it like just the little things that uh, that are that are slightly different and. But the but the mentality still will remain the same, right? Like the formula for us is great service, great like like exceptional food with no shortcuts and and like fun. You know, hopefully we can just create an atmosphere where where people are like having having a blast. No, and I'm sure you will. And Sam, I remember when you guys first opened Other Half Tasting Room, the original one in in Brooklyn, you had that cool aesthetic with with like the. Are you gonna? Are you having the same aesthetic or the same designer who did your expansion over there? Tell us about what what uh, other half is going to look like at Domino Park. 
<laughs> well, our our first tap room, we just did it all on our own. So it was kind of, that's kind of an impossible to replicate aesthetic, especially considering how much of that came from the existing space. Um, no, but we are, we're going with a totally different aesthetic in uh, Domino. Just, it's a cleaner space. It's, it's a grander space. It's got to have, uh, you know, better interior touches, I think. And, you know, we're also, you know, the other thing we're, we're doing there is we're putting in a small brew house. So it's, it's not only going to be a bar, it's going to be, you know, our experimental brewery. It's beautiful, man. I've been in there. It's beautiful. So how far along are these places? I mean, are, are they ready to open? Mine's done. They still got some work to do, but theirs is beautiful already. Like I, I was in there maybe a couple of weeks ago and it looks so great already. You know, it's like with the big tanks and everything in there. And it's such a bit like high ceilings. It's so cool. It's very cool. But yeah, we're done. We're, we're right now. We are, um, we're pretty much just like in service R and D and getting all of our POS set up. You know, we're probably about two, you know, two weeks away. Wow. We really got you at the right time. And Sam, so what the brew house there, that's just going to be for on-premise brewing? Or are you going to make anything else there? Well, right now, nothing's on-premise. So it'll be, we'll be packaging up whatever beer we make there as well. But it's just an opportunity for us to to pilot some batches of beer, which we've never done. We've always just made 30-barrel batches of beer. Every time we do something new, it's just like a risk. So it's an opportunity for us to play around with uh developing recipes um also we can we'll probably play around a little bit with some seltzers we'll do some um we'll do some beers that are harder to sell at this point you know more classic styles that that the masses don't want large quantity of um just a a place for us to play around and yeah a lot of that beer will be sold directly all that beer will be sold directly there out the front door we'll also have beer from our other locations as well um but you know, each each location, each other half location has its own unique beers. Uh, you know, like our Finger Lakes location, the beers are different than they are in Brooklyn. Uh, we're opening DC um, very very soon, and that will have different beers. Um, and Domino will be the same. So, what I haven't had anything from the Finger Lakes. What, what's a, a beer that you'd say represents uh, that location? Well. We, I mean, we have all the locations have their own single hop series, and they're all they're all different. the The way we the way we hop them is different at each location. The malt the malt bill for each one is different, so they they're very different tasting beers, um, just different ways to highlight the same hop. Um, I would say that for us, that series up there is a pretty important one to us. is probably one of my favorite series of beers we do in terms of just the overall recipe and the way it, it presents the hops. Um, that's the, that's our, uh, it's our Chroma series. Sam, I got a question for you. You, you said the like, like less popular styles of beer you're going to do at Domino. Like what, 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 what styles of beer would you consider in that group? Because there's a lot of things that are like, you know, not dead styles necessarily, but like undervalued or underappreciated that people don't really, you know, I think since like IPA and and sour beers and, the you know, New England style have like really caught the trend. Uh, but there's a lot of other beers out there that people aren't drinking. What are those beers that you're going to focus on there? Um, just, you know, we don't have, I don't have a, a, a plan right away for that, but you know, make if we wanted to make a Schwartz beer, or if we want to make, um, you know, if we wanted to make a, a a mild or something like a lot of these styles that really people aren't chasing or interested in. Um, but you know, if we make a small amount of it, you know, we do have a customer base that is interested in in trying these beers. We just can't; they just won't sell. There's not as much interest as there is in a in an IPA, right? So. Cause there's so many cool styles out there that just like kind of get buried. Yeah. I mean, IP, IPA is the popular kid, you know, like people are, everybody wants that all the time and I'm not going to tell them they shouldn't. Cause I also love IPA. I mean, for me, one of the, one of my greatest joys is the opportunity to go visit hop farmers and select our hops. And 
you know, I, I love it. This it's amazing that connection with farmers. You know, we we pick the lots we're going to use every year. We have a real connection with our ingredients that way, and, um, you know, but it but it it does overshadow all the other beers, and people are increasingly less interested in some of those styles. So it's just an opportunity for us at a smaller scale to put some of those things out occasionally. Are you guys going to do any lagering? Well, that is, that is, uh, we already do that in, in Brooklyn a little bit. Um, most of our, most of our lager production is going to move to DC though, because we have bigger tanks there. Um, so, you know, for the square footage, if we have a tank that's a lot taller and can make a lot more beer, it makes more sense because loggers loggers are some of the more expensive beers to make because of how long you have to leave time, it in the tank. Right. Yeah. Cause time. time. So time money. it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to make them in Domino. We may occasionally, I think we'll probably make less popular lager styles in Brooklyn and we'll probably make like more of the Pilsners and Hellas's in, in DC that we need volume of. Um, but you know, like we're planning to make a Vienna lager, in Brooklyn this fall, and we're also doing a Baltic Porter. So we're, we're we're trying to do some of these styles. We just can't do a lot of them. Right. Well, that's you got me thinking, Brandon. T- time is money, and money is lager. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I can picture the <laughs> I mean, giant hey, rats. I hey. love a lager. You know, I get it though. It's hard. Like 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 you know, you see a lot of these new companies. They just only do ale, and I get it because it's like if you only have so many. Um, you know, so much space. It's like you could turn these things out way faster. But but I always say one of my one of my favorite ingredients in every recipe is time. Yeah, no, that's it's true. I've been reading. Uh, that we had Tom Acatelli's book about Pilsner. The 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 beer of kings is out, and um, I've I've been reading about the late eighteen hundreds when lager and pilsner just really grew in the world, and it's it's quite amazing. And it makes you thirsty when you say lager. But the same way that the other half, I want to talk about the other half, IPA and the hops. Um, let's finish on that because you really did, you guys put, I think you put New York on a map for IPA, Sam. Um, you know, when you guys started in 2014, suddenly um, I was drinking other half IPA, if not every day, definitely several times a week. And I loved all your double dry hop and everything that you guys did. But you really did you put a spin on it. It wasn't West coast and it wasn't new England IPA. What was it that, that early other half IPA, how would you describe it now to other people? Yeah, we were definitely making uh, a, a little bit of a, a hybrid, but it was, you know, when we started West coast IPA was not heavily dry hopped. There was, there was definitely dry hopping going on, but it was mostly a lot of bitterness and, we just wanted to we just wanted to up the dry hopping, so that's what we started out to do immediately. Um, it just you know people really want that hop flavor as well. I feel like a lot of a lot of early West Coast IPA kind of fell short on, on the on the actual flavor of the hops. Uh, so that's where we that's where right, we they started. They were everlasting bitterness, right? Like California yep. to me, the IPA is everlasting bitterness. It's like it just stays in your mouth for so long. The dry like what you guys do. It's like you get all of the flavor of the hops, but it's like it's vibrant and powerful like right away and it kind of goes away, you know? Yeah, because you want to like it you, know, you don't want it to be cloying. like like Russian River or something. I feel like that shit just stays in your it's like syrup. Like it's like it, I, and I love it too. It's just different, but it just stays in there for so long. It's like deep. Oh yeah, the the bitter bitterness will linger, man. It'll stay there. Um you know, I feel like one of the goals is to make a make a beer that you take a sip of it and then it clears off your palate fast enough that you want more of it. You know, if you're still tasting it, right, you don't so really, crispy. you're not in a, yeah. And that, that's exactly what hey, I was saying. I have a question for you. Oh, go. What, what is your favorite, if you, if you could pick one hop, what, what would it be? Like, what's your favorite hop? Well, right now, right now it's probably Rowaka. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's super, it's, it's just one of the most amazing hops. The, it's got a lot of, uh, I guess what you describe as juicy character to it. A lot of big, um, passion fruit, grapefruit. It's also hard to get, which I, I, 
I assure you it's not because it's hard to get that I love it, but it, it is one of the more difficult to get hops because it grows so poorly. Most farmers don't want to grow it. But I think if you ask a lot of brewers, it would be in their top five or top three that have actually had. The and you guys, that's in it. the all, that's in the all everything category, right? That's like in the specialty hop. Yeah. Yeah. We do those. We do the, we do a small Rewaka everything, all Rewaka everything. Um, but again, we can't, we can't do a lot of it because we don't even have that much of it. It's just, it's kind of like a ghost hop just because it, it's so agronomically poor that Farmers are like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to grow that because I can't make any money with it. Where where do you typically find it? It's only it's it's a New Zealand hop. Um, gotcha. It's yeah, so it's already coming from one of the smallest hop growing regions in the world. There's just not a lot of acreage of it, and then the farmers there are not super interested in it, um, except for a few. Like we work directly with a a New Zealand hop farm and. They, they grow it for us and we're eternally grateful because it's such an amazing hop. So are, are, how much of that relate, those relationships do you have now, Sam? I mean, are you guys big enough that, that you're able to drive some of those hop growing decisions or it's, it's really there's, it's hit or miss? Well, I think it depends on where you're looking and what you're asking for. Um, you know, we obviously don't have the same kind of pull with hop growers that, that a Sierra Nevada would have. Um, but for the size of our brewery, our hop usage rates put us up with breweries that would have probably been like five times, five or six times our size, um, in, you know, you know, more than six years ago. So we do have a little bit of, we do have a little bit of sway, but we also, because we're so hop forward and we actually tell people which hops are in the beer, I think people have really gotten a good education on what certain hops taste like. And I think that if you're, a, if you're a grower or a broker and you're growing these hops and people are loving it and they know what it is because it's listed prominently on a beer, um, it's, it's good for your business as well. So, Well, here's, here's a fun question because we're going to end up soon. So I'm, I'm at the new Domino Park. I get some pizza from Roberta's. I'll, I'll probably have some other food and have a nice dinner. I want to have a other half beer pairing, but only with hop beers. Is, is there a progression of hops in, in beer that, that you might start, you know, to take me from beginning to end of like three beers? Would there be like three you don't hops? Wanna, like you don't like, want to blow your palate out on the first one? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like take me through like three or four hops that would be in your beer that, that could be separate beers. Oh man, I could I could go on forever, but uh, for probably it. my <laughs> probably yeah, my like probably my favorites are are I mean I already told you one of my favorites, so I won't go back to Rawaka, but another New Zealand hop, Motueka, um, super underrated, lemon lime kind of mojito character to it. Um, we also when we get we get certain lots of it, there's like kind of a lemon lime strawberry character on it. Um, that's a little more rare. I think it has to do with. Uh, just how water starved the plants are during harvest. And when that, when we get lots like that of Motueka, it is, it's like one of the most mind blowing hop experiences, but it's also not going to blow your palate out. It's just really, really tasty. Um, and then, you know, I probably would go with something like a Citra. I mean, that's, it's, you know, at this point, everybody knows Citra, everybody loves it or most everybody loves it, but it just, it's hard to beat that hop. It's just, it's just, it has, it ticks all the boxes for almost everybody. Um, yeah. And then, you know, f for me, I've been digging lately, uh, cashmere, which is a new, uh, open source, open, you know, USDA hop. It's not, it's not a proprietary hop like Citra. Um, a lot of kind of, it's like lemon, lemon candy, fruity pebbles character off of it. Uh, one of my, one of my favorites. I don't know. That would be, I would, if we had those single hops around, I'd tell you to drink all those. What do you, what do you, what do you think that like, what's the most complex of all the hops? Like what's the, what's the one that's going to have like the, the most like kind of sophisticated palate? I, I think it's Nelson Savin. Um, it's a, it's an interesting hop because it's different when it's fresh versus, uh, it picks up this kind of elegance over time. I've discovered with some of our all Nelson beers 
if I just leave one in the fridge for three months, I'll come back to it and it's really becomes refined. There's a lot of these, um, kind of like white wine, uh, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, like heavy thiol characteristics, these kind of tropical fruits, but it's very, it's very refined and it's, I mean, it's not like wine, but it, it becomes, you know, more focused and, and, and subtle and nuanced like that. Um, but it's also amazing when it's fresh too. And then Sam, what, what about a, to finish off with a hop, what would be a single hop that would just blow my palate out? That would be, this is the <laughs> end of the night. And then you go probably, into dessert. That would probably be like, and we don't make, we don't typically make this hop into a single hop, but Sultana is this, un, it, the, this hop is kind of unbelievable. Small, very small amounts of it will completely change the way you, the beer tastes. You could put 5% of your hop load could be Sultana and you will, it will be a dominant flavor in the beer. Um, it's just dank, dank fruit. It's really kind of wild, but it's just very powerful. Sultana is a great name for a hop. I, I know an old drag queen named Sultana in the East Village. So, <laughs> and, and she's fits. probably and she's probably very danky. Yeah, she's. Kind of, <laughs> uh, and last one. Okay, now we're gonna go back to, back to uh, Brandon. So, okay, so it's I'm at Domino Park, and I'm having all these great hop beers from other half. Well, give give me three pizzas that you guys make. I want to start again. Easy second course i want a pizza i want a pizza three course dinner what what would be the progression for roberta's pizza right so and I, and i think i think when you're like pairing these with ipas you want to like you one you want to find a little bit of balance with it but two you want something that's simple that like doesn't just like offset all of that like great flavor so i think you want to keep it simple and the first one that i would start you off with is a rosso right because it highlights the the pilati which is the tomato and and like the fact that we don't really do a lot to the tomato itself like it's not a cooked down sauce what's happening is you're really getting fresh tomato in a really really hot oven and it's really like pulling out some of the acidity and just like really making this like subtle thing and and it's a very like not a lot of people order this pizza but it's really one of the best it's just pilati and and garlic right and it's so good but when you're when you're talking about like eating something with like an ipa it would go so nice with the like you know like the all dank everything or like you know or like one of any of the like all everything beers where you're kind of, where you could kind of enjoy the um you know the hop itself and i think that that would be the first one that i would go to um then I would like move up and try to like play with some like heat and stuff like that and probably do like a famous original with Soprasada so you could get a little bit of like spiciness mixed in because now you can still it's not going to be a lot of flavor and you're going to get some fat with with the Soprasada and you can like cut it back and you can kind of go for like maybe like a heavier like a heavier um you know, like maybe like the the Simcoe or or something like just just a little bit more, and then my third one would be um, oh man, this is like really when we're getting like gluttonous and like <laughs> and like we're going all in, and this is probably one that I don't order very often, but I think. You just go Beastmaster, oh, which yeah. is just like, <laughs> like, you know, you love this one, just like loaded. And I think by this point, you're probably already pretty drunk anyways, and you probably need some, some, something, something of substance to keep you from uh, maybe falling over and breaking your teeth out. Well, that's a good one. And hey, last thing. So uh, if I were drinking a beer, or I am drinking a beer, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Schilling uh, Alexander Kolsch from uh, new hampshire what what are you drinking sam or what you would be drinking uh i actually have a rawaka chroma from our flx crew oh man that's a try that and what about you brandon i am drinking right proper uh baron corvo well that sounds good guys wow man this this is always too short but we could keep talking we're just getting warmed up i really appreciate this and i'm i'm really excited to to get over to domino park in Williamsburg, uh, when when you guys get open, um, and we'll keep 
keep following uh, all the news about it. I know these are really challenging times, and I know you both have been leaders and stuck with it. You know, breweries, you guys are selling a lot of beer beer to go and, and all that. Uh, and restaurants, you know, you guys are hanging in there. Um, just just thank you for, for doing this, and thanks for talking about the future, because there is a future, and I know that Other Half and Roberta's Pizza are, are a big part of my New York City. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining me here. Um, big shout-out to our producer, Dylan Hoyer, and head engineer, Matt Patterson, Sam Richardson, and Brandon Hoy. Thanks for joining me on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. See you later, guys. Thanks so much. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.